Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 210 of the Speaking Club podcast. I want to open this week's show with a quote from one of my favourite storytellers and speakers, Mr. Philip Pullman, the author of his Dark Materials trilogy and lots more. The mind has plenty of ways of preventing you from writing and paralysing self-consciousness is a good one. The only thing to do is ignore it. And remember what Vincent van Gogh said in one of his letters about the painter's fear of the blank canvas. The canvas, he said, is far more afraid of the painter. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey there, thanks for joining me again. How are you? Are you winning? One of the things that I do with my Speaking Club Live members is start the session with their win of the week. What's yours? The reason I do it is because I know from my own experience that even in the darkest, most frustrating weeks, there is always a chink of warm light in the form of a win, no matter how small, that will keep you on the path to success. What did you think about that quote from Philip Pullman? Oh, I love his work so much. And in fact, he is going to feature in next week's episode too, which you will love if you want your talks and stories to get you results. And if that quote about paralyzing self-consciousness resonated with you and you haven't yet listened to the first part of my interview with Dr. Claire Roberts, then do check it out. Because in that, we talk about public speaking anxiety, the different forms it takes, and how to manage it. And it is definitely worth a listen. But so is the second half of my interview with her. Because in this show today, we are talking all things YouTube. Claire chose YouTube as the primary vehicle for getting her message out there. And today she has over 25,000 subscribers and her videos have had millions of views. So I'm going to be starting my own YouTube journey this year. And I had lots of questions for her. And if you're considering using YouTube to grow your audience, get your message out there and maybe even make a bit of moolah, a bit of cash, a bit of money from YouTube in the future, then you are going to get a lot of value from this show. Okay, let's get this party started. I want to switch over now to to the other aspect of, you know, the other half of this in terms of the vehicle that you use to help people today, which is YouTube. Let's go back to the start of this conversation when you said... So I was wondering what I could do. I heard about a side hustle and I thought, could I do that? And you thought about YouTube. So what was it about YouTube that made you decide to start 
using that platform as opposed to some other platform, Facebook mm. video or lives or whatever? I remember um, hearing early on when I was watching these webinars and, and listening to podcasts and stuff about side hustle, hustles, that when people see you on screen and can look you in the eye, it creates a trust factor. Um, and I think that really stuck with me. So I didn't even consider trying social media first because I don't really like Instagram and Facebook that much. And I have tried, um, but it just doesn't seem to, it doesn't fit me. And I think you have to find something that's going to fit your personality. And it just made more sense for me to show up on YouTube and knowing that it's more of a search engine than social media. So I thought, I've only got the time to work on one thing. Let's make it work really well for me. So by using YouTube and getting people to see me, trust me, and I can almost imagine I'm like in a therapy session, like I'm, I'm just talking one-to-one. -one. I don't feel like I'm talking to thousands of people. I feel like I'm just talking to one person behind the screen. And because I'm putting it onto YouTube, it's on a search engine and people are going to be searching for this stuff already. It's not like I've got to be on social media and only the people who've already subscribed to me are going to see it because then you, you know, I'm, I'm most of the people who find my videos are there because they've searched a certain term. So it just, I didn't even try other channels to be honest with you. It was always going to be YouTube. And what, did you how did you decide what topics to do videos about you know when you started out yeah so I knew I wanted to concentrate on anxiety because there's a lot of people who will come to therapy but there's a lot of people who don't many more people that don't go to therapy because anxiety is a part of life and if you have something like public speaking anxiety or driving anxiety they're not going to go and see their GP about it it's not a clinical problem it's something that gets in the way of their life but it's not something that they're going to go and see somebody about and well not clinically anyway so I thought well I want to make videos for those people the people who've got anxiety but they're, but they're just getting on with life and yeah their life would be better if they didn't have anxiety and so this is the way I did it now I'm not a YouTube specialist like I'm not selling some amazing course in YouTube or anything and 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 I kind of go against what a lot of the marketing advice is. But I think the good place to start is you frequently asked questions. So for me, obviously, it was explaining the difference between the psychologist and the psychiatrist or what is a panic attack? What can I do to reduce anxiety? But you, if you have your own business or whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to have your own frequently asked questions that come up time and time again. And I think that's a really good place to start. And you might be worried that well, if I give out all my advice now on YouTube, why is anybody going to come and pay to work with me? But it reveals to someone what you're like to work with. Like, are they going to gel with you? How good are you explaining things? Because and if you're showing up time and time again, coming up with useful information, you're going to be the person they come to when they need more personalized help. And it will happen. And it can open so many more doors, doors for you. So I think starting with the frequently asked questions 
is your best place. And then once you've got your list of FAQs, go onto YouTube, go onto Google and just start typing in and see what Google auto completes for you. It already knows what people are searching for. So if you can see what it auto completes, you can see what videos are coming up or what, um, what topics are coming up. And then with Google as well, once you go onto that first page, they're also coming up with questions that people might have, or um, you can actually go onto your competitor's YouTube channel, just go onto their videos and click the tab that says most popular, and you'll see their most popular videos. And generally, most people will have two or three standout videos that are much more popular than all the others. And that's where you want to kind of be looking at what are people really wanting so that you're you're finding video ideas that people are really searching for. And then it's about doing your take on it, isn't it? Yes. Because, yes. because I think people will worry potentially that oh my, if, if there's load of competition, if people already got videos on that, then, you know, why would they want my video on it? And I always think it's like, pop music or rock music or country music whatever there's loads of different artists doing it and it's about people like you say seeing you dr claire and sort of saying she's she's great i really resonate with the way she is and and she speaks to me in a way that other people don't so that's you know it's completely fine to do it and it just shows there's market for it i think yeah i mean the the mission statement for youtube is we're giving everybody a voice and I think that's what I love about YouTube because there is space for everybody. Even if you've got the same topic, there's a space for you. And, and I think in traditional media, I, I'm going to sound very bitter now, but it's, 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 it's often <laughs> like male, able-bodied, white, um, heterosexual. And it's like from the top down, that's kind of who creates the TV shows that we watch on normal media. But with YouTube, you don't. You can. My dad watches videos about trains because he's a he loves trains. My mom watches videos about chakras and like crystals. And then I've got my um, my mother in law. She likes to watch videos about people crafting or things about RVs. And and then I've got my my father in law. He's in his eighties and he's watching videos about people. Um, restoring old cars like there's there's a topic there's different types of people like it, it, everybody has a voice on YouTube and that's what I really like it feels like it's very equal it's on an equal footing you can have somebody you know like most of my meditations I can't compete against people like calm or headspace in a normal setting but on YouTube I actually can compete with them you know, if you put it into Google, like guided meditation, you're not likely to see mine come up. But if you type it into, into YouTube, you will, there is a chance that you'll find my videos. And so I, I, I like that kind of equal footing that it gives people. It's really interesting as well, because there's an aspect to that, which I think you just mentioned as well, is that in, in addition to the sort of it being more democratic, there's also more like this old, there's a, a, a broader spectrum of people using youtube than perhaps you know facebook you know tiktoks for young people and facebook's for now for older people and instagram you know so there's all these sorts of 
labels associated with those platforms, but YouTube seems to span the whole whole spectrum. That's oh, what it feels okay. like from what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So what was your first video? Oh my goodness, now you're asking. Oh, I am. it was something about anxiety. I can't remember exactly what the title was, but I remember I decided that my backdrop in my house is not very good. I'm, I'm sitting in my office right now, which also is also the place where we do homeschool. And it's just like, it's, it's not the best backdrop. And so I decided that all my videos, if I'm doing them to camera, all my backdrops are going to be outside in a beautiful place because I really do believe in um, blue-green spaces and how they help our uh, mental well-being. So I thought, well, if people can't be out and about, I'll make sure my videos have got like this beach in the background or something. So anyway, so I'm on the beach and I'm talking to the camera and oh my goodness, it was so ridiculous. I was such a mess. And I'd had my husband kind of behind the camera holding up like some words. So I'd remember what I'm supposed to be saying. (laughs) And oh my goodness, it was just so difficult. But I do remember after doing that a few times, it does become easier. And then I I came across somebody who was in a Facebook group um, and she was offering a, a live online course and it was going to be six weeks. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. This is just what I need to kind of get myself really kind of a bit more um, practiced with this. And because it was live, it meant that we were getting together once a week on Zoom and just like, you know, it was, I don't know, maybe 12 of us and all kind of the same kind of like middle age kind of category, not really knowing what we were doing, a bit not very confident and and... Justina Roshu, she used to work in the BBC, but now she has her own video production company. So she knew the kind of like the the editing stuff. And it was just really what I needed because it was a live course. It just gave me that push that I needed. And without that community behind me, I don't think I probably would have continued. Um, And so it just gave me what I needed at that time. And I know you do a live course as well for the speaking club. And I think that live aspect of it really helps you get some oomph behind it all. Because often we have, we do courses and it kind of just, you'll do a little bit and you'll kind of not do the rest. You'll not complete it. And I think having a live component sometimes really helps. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who get stuck in sort of theory mode and never progressed to implementation. Mm. And that's where the, you know, the course that you went on and speaking club and all that, it's good to help you get into action and, and keep you accountable and stuff. Yeah. That's, so that's brilliant. Okay. I'm picturing you on the beach uh, there. <laughs> and, um, and so how often do you post now? I only post about once a fortnight and even that it's not always you're supposed to, I say supposed to, I'm going to put that in air quotes. You're supposed to do it once a week. And when you hear this advice, it's often from people who may be doing it full time and this is their job. They are a full time YouTuber and um, maybe they've got the time, the space, the energy to be able to put out videos once a week. But I don't. You know, I started listening to all this advice and trying to implement it. And I was just on my way to burnout. There was no way I could keep that up. And so I, I kind of started thinking, well, okay, well, they're not a full-time homeschooling mom, are they? Like, they're coming from a different place, Claire. Come on, think about this. What can you do? What can you achieve? 
And so I do only post once a fortnight. If I can't make it, then I don't. I do give myself that extra time, that extra grace. I might not get a video out for a month or even a couple of months, and that's okay. I think we need to just find our own rhythm, really. And there are successful channels out there that only post once a month, and you've got to do what works for you and figure out what your strengths are and what you can fit in so that you keep going with it. No, I love that. I love that. And, and and because it is a search engine, if you get the topic right, these things are evergreen. So, you know, it, it it's about the quality sometimes and getting the, the sort of the topic nailed over quantity. And, it you know, it doesn't answer anyone's question or doesn't meet any search criteria. So I think that's really good. I love that. And what equipment do you use? People will be asking these, what equipment does she use? Has she got like fancy cameras and stuff? no fancy camera I still use my iPhone and up until around Christmas time this year I was still using my iPhone 6 which is a few years old now I finally upgraded to an iPhone 12 but I sit it in a case it's got it's from iographer but you can use any any kind of case where you can then put it on a tripod it's just such a simple setup the most important thing is to record your audio separately. Audio is important, regardless of the fact it's a video. And so I use one of those lavalier microphones that I just clip onto whatever outfit I'm wearing. And then I record that separately on my iPad, which is normally sitting on my lap somewhere. When I edit the videos, it's easy enough to match the audio with the video recording and the sounds just so much more superior. I only record outside on location, so by keeping that mic close to my mouth, it just means we're not getting those outside sounds of the traffic so much or other people talking. But um, yeah, equipment-wise, it's simple. It's my phone, my mic, my iPad. And then obviously you need your editing equipment, but again, that can be really simple. Even YouTube itself has its own editing equipment. I use adobe premiere pro now but um up until fairly recently i was using something much different and much easier and much cheaper excellent okay cool what did you use before just if you could share <laughs> oh i was using movavi movavi i think it's called yeah m-o-v-a-v-i and i think it was like 40 dollars and it was so simple so intuitive to use but you can you know if you have iMovie already or I don't know what else. There's lots of free things you can cool. use out there. But I think one of the things I learned on the course was including B-roll. So if you think about like programs mm. like the Great British Baking Show, if you watch it, you'll see that they're not staying on one person for very long. Either the camera's moving or you're then cutting into, oh, what are they doing with their hands now? Are they rolling out some dough or... And then they pan out to somewhere else and somebody else is having a conversation. And it's like, they might be talking, but everything's changing. Like every five seconds, something changes. And if you look at a TV show tonight, just notice, you'll notice that the angles, the camera angles, or there's some B-roll. And by B-roll, I mean something that kind of adds to the story, but it's not just you, your talking head, talking to the camera. <clears throat> it's panning off into something else. So if I was doing a video on journaling... I might start it with me picking out my journal, my writing utensils, and that's while I'm talking on the camera, you can't see me. All you can see is me opening up my book and starting to journal. And then by 
adding those little bits every now and again, I think it just lifts your video so that it doesn't look as corporate because there are going to be other people that do similar videos to you. But if you can just bring out some more storytelling elements, story doesn't have to be the verbal stuff. Story can be that B-roll that accompanies and video is a really good way to do that, even sound. So you could have a nice mellow soundtrack in the background or if something's like you want to increase the tension and then put in some music that's going to increase the tension. Uh, like some not jaws music but you know <laughs> something, something that's going to kind of make people kind of be on the edge of their seat what's going to happen next oh some brilliant tips there this is why it's two episodes because i knew this was going to happen <laughs> so people will be going so you don't shoot it clearly in one shot you'll be you'll be taking clips and then mm. doing the audio and, and laying the audio on top of the different shots that you've you've got in the pat in the can is that yeah, right? if you, you can, can make yeah, it if you can, movie. no, you're right. I almost do a storyboard beforehand, like a little plan of what the video is going to be like. So I know what basically I'm going to say, but then either beforehand or after, I'll do these little B-roll shots as well, where it looks ridiculous to anybody watching me because I've got my camera set up and then I'm like pretending I'm walking onto the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. I've walked it like 15 times already, but it doesn't matter. Like this. When somebody's watching it, they feel like they're a part of your day. Like I, if I just wrote, if I just did a how-to tutorial on journaling, well, so can 15 other people, right? What's going to make mine different? It's going to be me opening up my book. It's me showing you what I'm actually writing. It's going to be a close-up of the pen. It's going to be me drinking my cup of tea while writing or putting down, closing the book at the end of the actual video, so you just kind of, if you can get these little elements there, it just really helps to lift your videos compared to the other 15,000 videos they could be watching. That's brilliant. Love it. Okay. And how long was it? Like, when did you, when did you do your first video? You know, I was looking the other day and I think my first one was in 2017 um, but it was very, this was before I'd done that course. And it was just like, I was putting some odd videos here and there, and it wasn't really taking off at all. I was getting like 10 views or something. And then, um, and then, so I think seriously, I started around 2018, still not every week, just, just putting a few out there. And it was then in September, 2018, one of my videos kind of took off, not viral, but it just took off more than the others. And that's the one that still brings me in the most traffic it's still the video that brings in the most money because i'm now monetized on youtube as well and it's the one that brings me in the most subscribers and so that's what i'm saying like these these videos will be there working on your behalf when you're off doing other things but they're still kind of um working for you it's like a little uh, marketing machine for you i guess Absolutely. That one video got you some results. How long was it before the channel really started to get traction? Yeah, I would say not until 2020. And probably like a lot of other YouTubers after the pandemic. So as soon as that March came around 2020, I noticed a huge uptick in the amount of people watching videos. Um, and, it, you know, it was a very kind of steady progress. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of give up because it mm. sounds like a whole lot of work for two years where you're just getting like 10 views on a video. Like, what's the point? But 
you're okay i'm going back to dolly now so dolly writes a, a song a day like she gets up every day and she writes a song but we only know a handful of those songs a handful of those only become famous songs that we hear on the radio and make her lots and lots of money but she's created this legacy this archive of music from putting like creating one song a day and i kind of see that with these videos like i was still showing up even if people weren't watching it and now they might look back and i've created like this archive of videos and when someone comes to me and says okay so what's a panic attack i say well look i've got a video here you can mm -hmm. go back and watch it and it might only have i don't know 300 people have watched it or something but it's still there it's still relevant it's evergreen material that's kind of not a fad it's not it's it's going to still be helpful no matter when somebody watches it absolutely and the same is true of podcasts in a slightly different yeah. medium I yeah. mean, we're going to be starting to do some YouTube this year. So I'm being selfish here and asking you questions I I can think of. And one occurred to me before we start to wrap things up, because yeah. you said at one point, you put, I, I attach the Lavalier to whatever I'm wearing. And yes. I know some people, especially some, some of us women, will be thinking, well, what was she wearing? Does she look perfect? <laughs> How does she, like, what do you have to wear? Do, do you need to worry about that? Do, what was, what's your take on that? My take is just be comfortable because, so we say, I'm very much a t-shirts and jeans kind of girl. So I say girl, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a girl anymore. Oh, when am I ever going to grow up? Um, but I, yeah, I wear a t-shirt and jeans and that's what I feel comfortable with. Um, sometimes I might dress up a little bit just because, you know, I want to look professional. If people want to work with me, they're not going to work with somebody who looks like they're just drag their bottom out of bed like they want someone who looks kind of professional but I still think it's important that you're just who you are show up as yourself and just polish yourself up a little bit it's kind of like what we were saying with the speaking just just be your best self you don't have to go over the top or anything um so I just generally still wear a, maybe just a nicer top or just a t-shirt and that's what I attach my microphone to but um, it's just about feeling confident in what you're wearing. Cool. Brilliant. And if you could, you know, go back to the beginning, mm. what are the three big things you wish someone would have told you when you were starting out on YouTube? Mm. I would say how lovely people can be because I think I had the impression, and this is what took me so long to get started, is that people were going to be mean that I was going to get these rude comments, that people were just going to be nasty and tear me apart. And I've been incredibly lucky maybe, but I mean, you can behind the scenes put blocked words in place. So there's certain words, swear words or whatever it is that, that if somebody says that comment, it's not going to show up on your channel. And um, so you can block users as well. But I felt incredibly, like the, the comments have been amazing. I don't go a day without maybe five comments at least of people saying you've you've really helped me today and it's so much more than what I could have done being a therapist working one-on-one -on -one, where you can only see there's a limit of how many people you can see in a week whereas now 4,000 people are watching my videos and it's just I'm helping people on a much larger level so I think how lovely people are and how grateful people are that you're showing up and helping them um, so that's one I'm trying to think, uh, two, your videos don't need to be perfect. 
I'm because they never will be. And there's things that I've done videos on and I've forgotten what I'm going to say or I might get I think I might get misinterpreted. So I think, oh, maybe I should re redo that video. But just make another video. Every video I make is better than the last one I make. I won't take down my old videos because they're never going to be perfect, but it might still help that one person that I'm trying to reach. And so um, don't think your videos have to be perfect and you have to wait, just get started. And then my third thing would be that videos are evergreen. They're going to be there working for you um, for a long time. And I don't think I really understood that. I still think of it in terms of social media that you'd put it out there and it would just get lost. It doesn't. You don't know which one's going to eventually get picked up by somebody and um, and get some real traction. And so um, don't forget that these videos can kind of be your archive. You can tell people to go back and watch a certain video and it will let's say you're lucky enough to have a waiting list of people waiting to work with you you can say well why don't you check out this playlist I've got of videos that you can kind of see what I'm talking about here and see what when when I'm ready to work with you we'll we'll get started so um I think that'll be my third thing that the videos will last a long time brilliant and then final question before we switch into standard questions. Um, do you think everyone should have a YouTube channel and why? It Maybe you've already covered some of the why, yeah. but uh, in case there's anything extra. Yeah, I personally, yeah. If I could make like five channels, I would. I get ideas all the time for a new channel or for other people. <laughs> like, um, I just think that it makes you appear not corporate it makes you appear like a real authentic person because people are going to see you these videos are going to be there for a long time working for you behind the scenes when you're not at your desk doing the work people can still access you and i think that is really powerful and i think i said before that it's an even playing field when you go onto things like Instagram and a celebrity suddenly joins Instagram, like, I don't know, like um, Jennifer Aniston, when she joined, like when she joined Instagram, it was a massive thing. And like, she got millions of followers in a day. If you see that on YouTube, it doesn't really happen. Like, mm. it's just a more even playing field. You can play with the big guns there. So if you've got this small business, it's much more likely that you can compete with your videos because Google is going to show when when somebody types in a question and you've answered that question in a video Google is now showing snippets of videos in their search results on the first page and that is so powerful because for me as someone who works in helping people with anxiety I'm competing about against the big guns that are like the, the mental health charities or the universities um, against like WebMD and, and all these kind of big healthcare corporations. I can't compete. Like it's ridiculous. They've got masses of people working for them. But on video, I can. If I can embed my video onto my blog post, then it's much more likely that Google is going to serve that up to somebody who's looking for that question and I can cut through the noise that way. And I just think that's really powerful. And that's something that, that everybody can use. Absolutely. And I think we haven't actually said this, but let's just talk figures here. Over 25,000 subscribers to your channel. 
26,000 right? now. 26. Yeah, it's just like, Fantastic. it's just compounding. It's just going up and up. It's just crazy. And then, and some videos have had millions of views. No, not millions yet, but um, I, I have had millions of views. I've had t over 2 million views overall on my there channel. You go. Yeah. The one that's had the most views is probably just shy of 300,000. And it just, yeah, it's just incredible to me that, that I've reached so many more people than I ever could have done just being in that, that therapy room. And I, at that time, I didn't realize it, but now I can see kind of the, the bigger picture of it all. Cool. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing all of that stuff on anxiety and all the brilliant stuff as well on YouTube. Now, before we share where people can find you and the channel and everything else, I have some standard questions, which you'll know as a listener. Uh, <laughs> okay. So um, what's the best thing that speaking has done for you? It's brought me into people's lives I think the best thing that happens is when somebody contacts me and says, I listen to your sleep meditation every single night. I can't sleep without it. Or I use your meditations every morning before I get to work. And it's just that, it's just that idea that I've kind of somehow injected myself into somebody's life and become part of their routine. It's just, it's just phenomenal that my speaking could have achieved that. That's brilliant. Now, either on YouTube or before, have you had a bad speaking experience? You know, somebody just like, I want the, you know, you mentioned potentially early on. Can, is there one that comes to mind that you're like, oh, I wish I could forget that? Yeah. Um, so when I was an assistant psychologist, so this is before you go on a doctorate and you're trying to get all your experience, my colleague and I, we were, we were both, um, we came up with this idea that we would create a, a conference for other assistant psychologists and um, we would get these big speakers in. And we did. We got these massive speakers in. And, um, you know, Paul Salkovskis and um, there was Barbara Wilson and there was all, all these different ones. Anyway, we'd take it in turns on the day to introduce the different speakers, these, these very distinguished, very kind of professors. And in the afternoon, my friend, I didn't know, she got a jelly belly because she was so nervous. She got, she got diarrhea, bless her. So she was stuck in the toilet. And I'm thinking, I haven't prepared to introduce this person who's this professor of memory and is like world renowned. And I'm thinking, I know nothing about this professor because I don't, that's not my field of interest. I don't know anything about them. And so I had to introduce them and it was awful it was really bad and then my friend just comes out the bathroom like nothing's happened <laughs> and it just made me realize you've got to be prepared for those events like don't assume that your friend is going to be able to do what they think they can do and just be a bit more prepared so that that started me early on knowing that I need to plan a bit more and I think that's that's actually one thing we didn't talk about in terms of overcoming anxiety because I when I'm working with people, I know that being prepared and also getting to the point where you're excited to share your content is a great antidote or certainly reduces the anxiety because you've, you've got that, you, you know what you're doing. And um, I heard this brilliant quote uh, on a Netflix program called Cheer. This lady said that she runs this sort of cheerleading program and she said, uh, we practice 
until we get it right. And then we carry on practicing until we can't get it wrong. And I just love that in terms of something to share for speaking. So slightly off track, but that you made me think about that. So that's really, that's really cool. Okie dokie. Um, What's the one book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? So I think I love reading. I'm like you. Um, Absolutely love reading. And I've read a lot and but I think there's some books that make an impact on your life, not because they're much better than another book, but because they just come into your life at a certain point when you just really need to hear it. And so the one book that made the most impact for me, I think, is um, Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain. And it's a really simple read about how you can dream about what your life can be like and make that happen. So it's kind of like that manifestation thing we were talking before. It's about manifesting, but she she writes it in such a way that it came into my life just when I was at that point where I said, what am I going to do now that I'm not going to be a clinical psychologist, now that I'm in this different country? Um, what can I do that's going to fit into my life and still make use of everything? And so it was just that perfect timing of creating goals for me and that's really what started it all brilliant we'll put a link to that into the show notes um what's the best bit of business advice you've had and why okay well don't tell my husband because I don't want him to get a big head but it's actually from my husband because he's he's run his own business for a few decades now and he says don't undersell yourself value your worth that's his biggest advice to me because I think either when you come from corporate and you've had a salary or you come from the NHS and you, you know, you think you're doing the work for free for everybody, but really it's a business, but you don't really put a value on what it is you do. And I think that's a really tricky one. I know I struggle with it. How do I put price? How do I make somebody pay for a meditation when, you know, it's, they they really need it. And um, so valuing yourself and valuing valuing your worth is really important. Don't undersell yourself. Oh, that's brilliant. And I think there's another part to this. I don't know if you agree on that, which is also valuing the transformation that you can offer to someone and what that is actually worth. Because we often sort of think about things in terms of what would I pay for this, but you're yeah. not in their shoes and and what you're offering to them in terms of a transformation could be worth thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. So I think that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, cool. Okay, last question. If you could have one mentor, it could be uh, fictional, non-fictional, alive or dead, who would you choose and why? Okay, I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody who's listened to any of this now. It's going to be Dolly Parton. Because, <laughs> I was hoping that. I know. <laughs> because, you know, I think, I don't know if it's because of her size. She's so tiny in some ways, obviously. Um, <laughs> but she's she's underestimated. She's been underestimated, I think, throughout her life. You know, she was just kind of seen as this pretty young thing. and and But really, they didn't, understand just how business savvy she is Mm. and how much she's in charge of her intellectual property that she creates all these songs and she didn't just give I will always love you away to Elvis or she didn't just give it to um oh who sang it what's her name Whitney 
Whitney, yes, how could I forget that? She didn't just give it to Whitney. She was getting the royalties in the background there for it. And I, I remember hearing that song when she sang it and thinking, my God, I didn't realize she'd written this song. And it was just, it's just, I think I didn't realize that. Yeah, I yeah, she, so she, she's underestimated, I think. And the fact that she, she also believes in inequality and she has this kind of gay following and she has, and yet she has all these other people that love, like, she's just universal. And I think as a mentor, she would be fantastic because she just gets down and does the work even now in her seventies. And and I just really Mm. respect that. And have you been to Dolly Parton World? No, Dolly World is on my Dolly bucket World, list. That's what it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is it. No, I'm giving out a huge hint now that I would like to go to Dolly World and I'm thinking for my 50th because I think it'll be a, a fantastic... I don't really like rides, <laughs> but I just want to go to Dolly World. <laughs> Excellent, good. Well, hopefully someone will hear that yes. and make that happen. Yes. Good. Well, listen, Claire, thank you so much. Now, where can people go? to find out more about you, to look at your YouTube channel, where's the best place for them to head to? Yeah, so um, generationcalm.com and uh, forward slash blog if you want to look at my blog posts. Um, Because I did do a blog post about public speaking anxiety just in case I didn't, you know, touch on everything. Um, And then obviously my YouTube channel, just type in Generation Calm, you'll find me. And, um, yeah, I'm not really on the other social media platform. I am, but I'm not. I'm not really yeah. active on there at all. But, okay, well, we'll yeah. make sure we put the links into to those places as well. Well, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking to you. And I want to wish you the best of luck. At, you know, let's get, uh, let's get that channel, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And, and what you're doing is really helping people too. So it's not just that sort of frivolous gaming thing, which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. But this is actually making a difference to people. So yeah, yeah, thank you so much again for sharing all of that stuff. Oh, well, thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Well, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of gold from Claire. Clearly, like anything, speaking, podcasting, and any other audience growth strategy You can't expect instantaneous results with YouTube, but it sounds like if you commit and are consistent and implement some of the things that uh, Claire was advising us about, guiding us towards, it looks like it could be a good one for growing your impact. Now, if you got value from Claire on either episode or indeed both, please do check out her channel on YouTube and also go and say hi to her. All the links to her stuff are in the show notes. Oh, and if you are interested in finding out more about the course that Claire mentioned of mine that she used to get guest spots on podcasts, then you can go and check that one out over at saraharcher.co.uk slash interview. And as ever, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the show, would you help me out? by taking a couple of minutes to leave an honest rating or review over at ratethispodcast.com slash T-S-C. Okay, my thanks again to Claire. She was a brilliant guest on both episodes. Loved uh, talking to her and I'm pretty sure that I'll have her back at some point in the future. And thanks to you again for joining me. And I will be back next week, as ever, to give you some more speaking and storytelling, marketing aha tools, tips and inspiration. In the meantime, 
don't you forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. Getting to practice your speaking in front of an audience is a crucial part of testing your message and developing your skills and experience as a speaker. Yet opportunities to do this in the right environment can be hard to find. Add in the chance to get expert feedback and coaching on your content structure and delivery and the opportunities are even fewer. But that's what you'll get as a member of the Speaking Club Live. Each week we'll be focusing on a different aspect of business speaking from pitching to presenting to videos and lives. There'll be hot speak slots and you'll get the chance to practice sharing your message, your storytelling, your humor, and all the different aspects of speaking in front of me and other members. Then you'll get feedback and coaching from me and your peers so that you're moving forward on your speaking journey with accountability and support. If you'd like to find out more about how you can become a member of the Speaking Club Live so that you can build your confidence, improve your delivery and become a better speaker, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash club now.